Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, a podcast that helps you stay inside with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Ready to recap the Chicago Red Stars semifinal victory. The Chicago Red Stars are going to advance to the NWSL Challenge Cup final. And there's a lot to talk about here, folks. And I couldn't do it alone because no one can ever do anything alone. So I'm here tonight with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. the Scam Originator. How are you doing tonight, Claire? I'm good. Chicago's back in the final. It's a, it's a vibe. <laughs> it is truly a vibe. You know, in our last episode, Claire, we talked a little bit about that. We were like, you know, anything can happen, guys. Either you're going home. Or you're or going you're not. on. <laughs> or you're going on. And we wanted to talk about bringing a vibe both on that episode and maybe potentially seeing one in this game. And I think we got it, honestly. Some storylines. For sure. Storylines, right? Ahead of maybe what people were looking for or looking at heading into this game. Uh, we talked about them a little bit in our preview. Um, we obviously talked a lot about the goal scoring. Uh, both of these teams advancing into the semifinal uh, on penalty kicks. Uh, Kaylin Sheridan having a great performance and, and stopping one and Alyssa Nayer needing to just exist and everyone else will miss them. And the scoring struggles that were kind of following both of these teams, uh, but sort of seeing the work rate that they've been putting in on both sides of the ball. You just felt that, maybe eventually uh, one of these two teams was going to figure out the goal scoring and it ended up happening in this game, actually. In a it number did. of ways. And uh, there were some question marks ahead of this game specifically. Uh, Casey Short was a late scratch uh, on game day. So she was made unavailable on this day and for sky blue they had uh, sabrina flores actually get the start in the semifinal over uh imani dorsey so there were some things to look at here in terms of the storylines for this match so claire let's just dive into the starting 11 so i can hear from you yeah let's do it in your first impressions on this day the chicago red stars Lined up as followed. They had Alyssa Nair, Nett, Zoe Garowski, Sarah Gordon-Juliers, and Bianca St. George's to run out the back line. They had Danny Colaprico, Savannah McCaskill, Vanessa DiBernardo, Katie Johnson, Rachel Hill, and Kalia Watt to run out. They're starting 11. Claire, hit me with those first impressions when you saw this starting line. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, my big first impression was that I was worried about Casey Short. Um, so, like, the this is, you know, this is the – we talked about this in the last episode. This is the preferred 11 right now, I think. Um, and I think uh, they – no reason to, to worry about it too much. I mean, I wrote a little bit about how I thought the attacking midfield could support that front line for, for the Patreon this week. And I'm glad that they got the opportunity to do that because we saw that that actually worked quite well this uh, this game. And yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was just um, was just there. Talk, man, talk about it. It's just a vibe. It's a vibe when you have another starter go down. And I think that that is is tough because I think, and we're going to probably talk about this a lot in this episode, that Chicago is playing against more than just the other teams right now. Um, they're just running out of available 
legs and bodies, bodies and minds and um and so every and, and and it is something where they're they're a good soccer team but there's only so many there's only so many holes you can poke into that ship before it starts to go down and so i i was worried about short but obviously knew that zoe Gorowski is very capable um and and we saw that we saw that on wednesday as well yeah, I, I echo your sentiments. I know in previewing this match, we spoke on it. We were like, we want to see a collective effort. We didn't really say that we wanted to see a specific player have an impact. Um, we spoke on somebody please score a goal. We wanted to see not so much the top three, but maybe like the top five or six try to really integrate themselves and work on some play through the mid and feeding balls through and um, seeing this starting 11 felt quite similarly. I'm like, they can get it done. They can, they can do some things, uh, especially with what we've been hearing from the team and echoing their sentiments that they just kind of got a TTP, like trust the process and, you know, keep putting in the work and that eventually they felt that once they would get one, that it would sort of crack open the gates and, and things would just sort of fall in place. Um, but even without a player like Casey Short, uh, you still look at that team and you're like, there's enough here. There's enough here to absolutely to compete, to compete in the semifinal uh, match. So for, for Sky Blue, because um, we got to give context to the pod and also some love to the team because, you know, we have enjoyed watching Sky Blue during this tournament. Um, they've had a really good story. Uh, heading into this year and have done some really cool things. And there have been some really cool uh, players with some strong individual performances. So for them, they lined up as follows. They had Kaylin Sheridan in net, Sabrina Flores, Estelle Johnson, Jean Lewandowski, Mitch Purse rounding out their back line. They had Sarah Waldmo, uh, Jennifer Cujo, McCall Zerboni, Naho Kawasumi, Ifiyoma Anamanu, and Paige Monahan to round out their starting 11. And honestly, when I took a look at Sky Blue starting 11, I felt kind of similarly as I did to Chicago. I thought, those are some good outside backs and they can maybe cancel out some other good outside backs on the pitch and cause some havoc of their own. I think McCall Zerboni is one of the best midfielders in the league and Jennifer Cujo has been putting in work during this tournament and a player like Anamanu can just bother the hell out of back lines. Um, so, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing how they were going to compete after seeing that starting XI. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think that it was significant even just that Midge Purse was off of the injury report this week. I mean, that definitely set a tone for them, um, which allowed them to start both Flores and Purse um, instead of having to hold Flores as a, as a you know, a fitness sub. Um, yeah, I... Sky Blue is another team where I think that we you've seen a lot of really a good a lot of good promise from um like you said their outside backs in their midfield um and but sometimes having trouble like many teams in this tournament um turning that solid build up play into production um on the offensive end uh and and so I I was interested in how Chicago was going to try to combat what Sky Blue has been doing well. But you know what? The thing, the thing that really struck me actually right when this game started is I, uh, I realized that, that I had underestimated um, 
the presence of, and it, it was silly of me, the presence of McCall Zerboni in a game like this. She does not want to lose and she does not do it often. And she really was, was very impressive in that leadership role and has been for this entire tournament, but she stepped it up a notch um, in this semifinal. And, and I remember even just in the first hydration break being like, wow, like she, she's going to get them back in this. And so, um, yeah, strong squad. Uh, you know, the discourse about where Midge Purse should play um, is, is plentiful and we don't really need to add to it. But um, I thought she was more dangerous late in the game than she was early. Yeah, I mean, we're absolutely going to get into that because uh, we've got to talk about how the Red Stars maybe <laughs> try to play yeah. against that. But, you know, at kickoff for this match, they got underway, right? So good vibes, semifinal vibes, not unfamiliar to this Red Stars team. Uh, if you're trying to keep count and if you feel like this actually isn't fake but real, then this is their sixth consecutive semifinal appearance. Uh, in an NWSL competition. We'll just say that, right? So not unfamiliar for them. And you wondered maybe if um, that type of experience was going to come into play in a game like this. Uh, But to start out the game, I think for you and I, who are just so invested, uh, felt some kind of way literally within the first couple minutes and we're like, uh, that's the good way to start a game. Let's concede a corner immediately. That's, you know, you, you, uh, you start to feel some type of way when you are watching a team whose biggest strength has been defense. And then you're like, hmm, not sure if I like that. Uh, but, yeah, just sort of watching that really early on. And it was a interesting bit of tempo to start. And we quickly started to see the Red Stars kind of get into their game plan, right? The game plan that we've sort of seen them do pretty much all the time. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was definitely a little bit more shades of 2019 than, than like some classic hard-nosed Red Star play. Um, not a great night for the defense in general, um, which is fine. They won. Uh, but they won some games kind of like that last year too. I'm thinking of that, that game in Orlando um, right after the World Cup or during the World Cup. Uh where, you know, they they were feeling kind of tired. It's a similar thing. You get tired, you get stretched, but it doesn't matter if you score more goals than the other team. Um, and so it became clear that that was the kind of game this was going to be, um, which is funny because it definitely immediately kind of had the feeling of not so much a semifinal, but like a, a maybe mid-August regular season game where just like some kind of weird stuff was happening and – yeah. Um, but there's like, no sense of perspective because it's a knockout game. <laughs> this was a team that had clearly been going through some stuff and they knew what they probably had to do to outperform the other team. It was just a question of whether or not it was going to get done. Right. Kind of thing, right. Uh, but the Red Stars very, very quickly in this game reminded everybody that they actually are capable of doing the things that they task themselves to do. And the Red Stars actually got on the scoreboard first in this game, and they got on the scoreboard early in this game, which is something that they've been trying to do quite often throughout this tournament. But we have to absolutely talk about this first goal. And just to 
piggyback on those impressions of the starting 11s initially. My actual first reaction, I threw it out on Twitter, as you could see the receipts, was that there was some crazy stuff happening at the outside back positions for both of these teams. So we were probably going to get a defender goal, and it happened very early in the match, and it happened for the Chicago Red Stars because, of course, it did. And I want to talk about this goal probably more than all of the other goals because it is a goal that I went to bed thinking about, and it is a goal that I woke up still thinking about. And Bianca St. George's is the player who put the Chicago Red Stars on top, but that doesn't happen without the work rate of one Miss Katie Johnson who got on this ball and finds and feeds awaiting Bianca St. George's who continues on into the box, commits an absolutely filthy crossover on veteran defender Gina Lewandowski, pokes the ball through, it goes far left, it gets a kiss from the post, and the Red Stars are up 1-0 in the eighth minute. Claire, speak on it. It's one of the best goals of the tournament. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, it really, really is. Um, you know, like, headers off set pieces are very exciting, and I understand that. But that goal, as an individual effort, she did so many little things so well to make that happen. Um, should also obviously say that um, the space opened up in part because Estelle Johnson went down with an injury. And so there was a moment of confusion um, for Sky Blue, it happens quickly enough that um, I don't think it influenced the play enough uh, to delegitimize the goal in any way. And in fact, like part of the reason it was such a good goal is because Sky Blue was milliseconds from closing in, was milliseconds from closing that gap. And um, the fact that St. George's was able to, yeah, make that cut back to send Lewandowski flying. Um, and then, yeah, she poked it right before the opportunity was going to be taken away from her, which is the kind of efficiency that Chicago has lacked because they've gotten into those situations in front of goal before, but they've just been kind of slow on actually turning that into a shot. Um, and she nailed it. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty much the perfect way to start. And, and yeah, I, I think, and we'll, we'll talk about this more, like I think that – you know, it, it, it almost sounds like a lie when a team says we're building chemistry and the goals will come. But Johnson, you know, Johnson, McCaskill, Watt, and St. George's are like, they've got a vibe going right now that has, has kind of developed over the last couple of games um, that is very exciting to, to see because it does feel a little bit like we're seeing some of that breakthrough um, from these younger or, or newer players. Yeah, I, I loved that it was a link on play between those two players that led to this very first goal. And yes, Estelle Johnson absolutely injured herself. She had to be subbed out immediately. They're talking using a substitution very early in the match for the opposition. And if you're sky blue, that maybe gets in your head a little bit um, in, in a big game like this so they make this substitution and the chicago red stars just immediately go right back at it and you better believe san george's was still uh in the hunt she there was blood in the water and she was still making things happen and she is the player that ended up uh serving this ball in once again 
uh, Khalil Watt uh, attempts a shot in the box on this goal, gets blocked. But you sometimes you need a bit a little bit of luck in the semifinal, and this ball ended up falling to Rachel Hill, who, you know, ended up having the presence of mind to still remain in the box and not, you know, move out in terms of trying to defend away. Uh, but she gets a foot on this ball, and she just kind of pokes it in very instinctually, and it just ends up going right past Sheridan in kind of the right far corner. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely – it was a hustle play. So it, it was Watt who brought the ball up, and then I think um, – and, and then, it, yeah, it bounced between her and St. George's, and then it got deflected in front of Hill. And I, I do think, like, the, the ball took an odd kind of bounce in front of Hill to the point where she had to kind of take a second – um, to get her balance back. And even the goal itself, I think she was, she was on kind of the back weight a little bit. Um, so I, I think it was probably more difficult than it looked. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the sub, the goal and the sub pulled sky blues defensive shape kind of out of whack. I think they have never been in this situation before as a team. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, this is something that I, I do think, was part of the plan. Like, I think that, you know, Rory Dames has been talking a lot about knockout game experience. Like he brings it up in every single availability that, that he has. And, um, it definitely felt like, uh, sky blue was being taught what it feels like to have something go wrong very early in an elimination game for the first time. Um, and, and you know this is not a sky blue podcast but that was a very that was a, an incredibly compelling thing to witness even because um as we all know they they responded to that very well so i think that you know at that point you know was the game probably decided yeah ultimately yes um but also there was a whole lot of game left and the problem with there are issues. There are issues. It reminded me actually of the, the world cup final in 2015. There are issues with going that far up so quickly. Um, I, it was the earth's own goal. I was like, well, here we go again. But um, like, I think, I think when that happens, especially if you've been playing this tournament that has been so decided by like one goal or, or have scoreless ties and stuff like that, there's an unusualness to being in that kind of a precarious position, even as a front, even as the team that is winning even more so um, when you're exhausted. So I think that, yes, it was great that they had that two-goal cushion. I think it made them defend worse, though. So it's like a complicated thing uh, to, to have both of those things happening at the same time. Yeah, I think there was a lot of excitement, obviously, around the fact that, you know, oh, my God, not only did the Red Stars finally score a goal in the first half of a game, uh, but they scored two of them essentially back-to-back, right? And they did that, but they did it very, very early. And for someone like me who has, you know, been having to pay attention to every single game for, like, job purposes, I've had to watch a lot of Sky Blue soccer, guys, and I've actually had to cover some of the players pretty closely. And my immediate reaction was, well, this is far too early, and they're yep. going to work very hard because even though this is a Chicago Red Stars podcast for contextual purposes uh, what we saw Sky Blue do was not surprising Sky Blue has done a very good job of responding very well 
to going down early in goals. Uh, it's something that they've been working on uh, very clearly in this uh, Challenge Cup tournament. And uh, it was 0% shocking to see them respond the way that they did, especially because of some of the personnel that they have on the pitch. And we saw them respond well. You saw a player like Paige Monaghan, you know, come back and hit a bar, you know, like down on a possession, a moment of possession that they had. Uh, you saw the players just starting to work a little bit harder, having to respond to the momentum shift from Sky Blue. And it was one of those moments where you were like, anytime the hydration break can happen would be real nice. Yeah, I think I think also, and this was the thought that I kept having with Sky Blue, um, is is especially that, you know, Chicago, right, Chicago was playing to the beats of the game. They played like they knew exactly when every hydration break was. They knew when halftime was coming. I think it was very much like, let's survive this next 15 minutes. Let's survive this next 15 minutes. Let's survive this next 15 minutes. And um, I think that that's fine, honestly, considering kind of the the fitness level that they're at. But the thing about Sky Blue, in addition to the fact that they have clearly made a big team culture shift, is that they've just got some ballers on that team. Like, they've got good soccer players, and a player like Midge Purse or, you know, or Zerboni or Monahan or Animanu, like, there, there used to be a time in this league where you could play against a team and they could try very hard and it wouldn't matter because individually they couldn't execute the things they needed to execute. And that is not where Sky Blue is, is right now. Um, and that was only going to not even, like, grow in the game, but just continue. And you can only kind of bet that those shots won't go in so often so that was how I felt um because I again I just think Mitch Purse had an she had a great game she had a yeah. really good game um yeah. and so I think that I think that that there was that element as well where I was like this team is 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 lethal they are dangerous and it's not just that they're getting into dangerous spots on the field it's that they can absolutely execute on those things and Chicago can't just rely on luck for this because there's too much game left Absolutely. And like I've been saying, the thing about hydration breaks, Claire, is that both teams get them. And something happened to Mitch Burris coming out of that hydration break, man. Like, she somehow got more powerful or something, question mark. I mean, she comes out of there. Game, man. Yeah. It's an immediate shot off. It's a, it ends up being a miss, but the force behind the this power. shot. Yeah. Yeah, just the sheer power that she took behind this shot sending it wide left it was like a little bit of a hey we're still in this type of goal you know and she kept uh, being a bit of a menace and we're talking about vibes katie johnson had to say enough enough of that shit i and loved she- <laughs> <laughs> and she said enough of that shit. yes and katie uh, johnson was like here is a bad foul and i know it is and yeah she like a g Speak absolutely man i i thought katie johnson's vibe in this game like i'm tired she's tired. I've had an, I was just like, really, I just feel like I understood where she was at. I was like, girl, me too. <laughs> like she, and, and I think that's great because you know, Dames has said he wants Johnson to work on her consistency. And I'm like, yeah, consistently be, be like enough, you know? <laughs> and so I think that, um, I thought it was good. I, I, like I said, we keep saying it's a vibe. It was just such a, like there were, and, and it was specifically the players like 
the thing I loved about this game is that it, it sure, like Julie Ertz uh, was very important and Alyssa Nair was very important, but they didn't actually have great games because they can't. Nobody can um, all the time. But it was, it was Johnson and McCaskill and St. George's who were like, you know what? We're, we're the ones that are going to say, like, we're going to keep, we're going to hold it together. Um, we are the ones we, we are we are the ones for. tonight you know <laughs> which is great because we literally didn't see that last year right like this was one of the 2019 issues and so that my friends is growth you love to see it and honestly that's kind of what took the red stars into their second half they approach halftime having to defend <laughs> having to defend on some more of that press by Sky blew a couple of attempts, but they get into halftime, guys. They get into halftime. It's an opportunity for them to reset. Um, it's a good vibe over the team. You're up two goals, and it feels good. And on the other side of that, you always hear that infamous, the most dangerous thing is a two-goal lead in, in a soccer game, and that's always lingering around, right? So you're wondering if they're going to come out into the second half, if there's going to be any type of immediate – substitutions and I wasn't surprised to to see that there weren't I mean you're talking this was a team that went out and they stuck to their game plan and they executed it for the most part and on top of that they got a couple of goals uh so as they headed into second half there there was no uh adjustments and they came right back out to be quite honest we actually got to see uh Rachel Hill tried to get on the end of another one uh Vanessa Di Bernardo putting in work winning a free kick or two and that leads up to probably my second favorite goal but the third of the night for the Chicago Red Stars as we approach the hour mark in this game Savannah McCaskill and her work rate on this goal man it was fantastic you're talking about starting deep deep into your opposition's half and midway point and she dispossesses dispossesses and gets on the end of a ball and you know what my favorite thing is in about this goal she runs she runs with this ball and dribbles all the way into the box. And another wonderful thing on this goal is that other players are running with her. And you have none other than BSG herself hold up her run as McCaskill lays off this ball to her. And she has the presence of mind to send it back. And McCaskill just nails this goal. And the Red Stars are up. 3-0. Claire, speak on it. Yeah, not for nothing, Katie Johnson was also there as an option. So there were three of them who were who were making that run, like making their runs. I was just going to say, actually, a thing that I just thought, which I think is true, is that um, I think another element of just Bianca George's being the fucking shit is she's really good at not going offside. Like, she multiple times had threaded the, on her goal in particular. She... Lewandowski like left her on side but it was like right on the edge um she doesn't she's very aware of where she is in space despite despite the fact that she's really like running and gunning for a lot of the game um which is is good there are a lot of NWSL players who understand the fast part but have trouble with the staying on side element of that and and St. George's did and, and and it's and it's amazing what that can do because you're not helpful as an outlet if the ball is immediately going to be taken away from you. And so the fact that she was always there right on that line 
Um, and yeah, it was on a counter. So like sky blue had numbers up. They just didn't have that many defenders back. Uh, everyone was tired. So when Johnson McCaskill and St. George's said, we're going, everyone was else like, was like, good luck. And so, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was great. And like I said, uh, it was a good shot by McCaskill. I think Sheridan got a hand on it, but the power was too much for it. And, and Johnson was there if there was a rebound. So, um, yeah, great goal again, but this was where we hit that hour mark. It was, it was, it was a complete defensive breakdown of sky blue. It was when you were like, Oh man, this game is about to fall apart. Yes, um, it was going to get wild. Yeah. It and it's like Chicago wild. scoring that goal in a way was like, uh, neither of these teams feel normal right now. Like this does not feel contained or in control. This feels out of control. Um, yeah. And you know, but, but the thing that we're about to talk about is that there are two ways this goes, right? Like either sky blue gives up or they don't. And they didn't. No, they did not. McCaskill nails his goal at exactly the hour mark. They hit the 60th minute. And then naturally the game hits a certain point where maybe coaches who have been playing in a tournament style format are keeping an eye on their players. And maybe, uh, you know, if you're on the side that's winning, you're keeping an eye on the game potentially in front of you. Well, you know, you know, the thing, if you're winning by three, you can still give up two goals and it's play crazy. the next game. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Only yeah. WSL, maybe. Yeah. Well, we see a number of substitutions take place, and, and on both sides of the ball here. We saw Michelle Vasconcelos come on for Rachel Hill in the 67th minute and a double sub for Sky Blue FC with Evelyn Veens coming on for Paige Monahan and Imani Dorsey coming on for Sky Blue FC. And offensive and a defensive move for Sky Blue, although this is an outside back who likes to – get into the attack. So it could almost be sort of viewed as a, as a dual offensive tactical move for sky blue. And for Chicago with, you know, a player like Vasconcelos on for Hill, it's just maybe you're thinking like for like, uh, but I don't think of uh, us when I think of the staunch defensive players on Chicago Red Stars, Michelle Vasconcelos is more of the attacking end of that for me. So for Sky Blue, you started to see a bit of a shift in momentum immediately. They end up earning a corner kick. A corner kick is conceded to Sky Blue, and we're into the 70th minute. Now you're talking about we're talking about breaks, guys, and we're talking about watching a team maybe playing the next set of 15 in front of them. And in the 72nd minute, you're just in front of what is going to be the second hydration break in a game. They were but ready first, for it too soon. But, <laughs> yeah. But first, but first you had to play a corner set piece against the opposition. And of course, McCall Zervoni, the set piece corner go was able to send in a brilliant service into the box and newly subbed on, Evelyn Baines was able to get a header on this goal with what looked like a lot of space around her. And the Red Stars uh, saw themselves give one up, really. And all of a sudden you're thinking, hmm, what's happening here? Yeah. Um, 
And again, testament to Sky Blue that that even without that goal, it was not a consolation goal. It was like a spark for them. And that rules. Like that for their mentality, that super rules. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think well, we're about to get into this a little bit more. Um, but so what what we're seeing, I'm about to like talk about some bigger picture stuff. So what we're seeing in the Chicago Red Stars roster is that there are clearly some players that are ready and some players that are not. And, and so for Chicago, I would say probably the players that we've seen that are ready. Ella Stevens was ready. Bianca St. George's is ready. Kayla Sharples and Hannah Davison are ready. Zoe Goralski is ready. There are some players who are on that roster who are clearly probably not considered to be great knockout NWSL substitute options right now. Um, and that's fine. Unfortunately, Chicago's injuries um, means that that they they have attacking subs, right? They have Vasconcelos and they have Doniak in the central midfield to lose Gatra and Stevens. That's that's harder. Um, and then even in in the defense to have short out, meaning Gorowski started, um, who's not used to to playing full nineties in competitive games. Um, it's it, it just stretches things in a way that yeah I mean it was a bad it was a bad defensive breakdown that led to the corner in the first place it was a lapse in focus that led to that becoming a goal I was honestly I was you know thrilled for thrilled for the kid though like that's great I'm glad she got a goal um but but this is this is the problem and this is what's going to be the problem on Sunday as well which is that um they have players who can't do this at a high level for 90 minutes, either through exhaustion or inexperience. And they don't have options on every line to help them. Um, And so I think you saw that play out in the last 20 minutes of this game. Absolutely. The Red Stars go, you know, and let themselves in a goal there for, for Sky Blue and, you know, I think part of my halftime reaction was, yes, they were up two goals, you know, but clearly Sky Blue was knocking and not intimidated. And I really did feel, all things considered, because this has been quite a tournament, there's been a lot of games and there's been some real general fatigue. And I just mean that as an umbrella term. Fatigue is to cover everything. <laughs> And uh, looking at the benches, I thought I was going to give that to Sky Blue, to be perfectly honest. And I think we saw that come into play a little bit in this second half. And it absolutely sparked something for them. It was not a consolation goal by any means, as you suggested, Claire. I mean, we saw Mitch Purse somehow get even more powerful. I mean, she again, she had a fantastic game for Sky Blue during this match and after the goal and after the hydration break, you start seeing a little bit more pressing. Uh, if Fiona, if Manu had enough, she earned herself a yellow as well. Uh, there was some things happening and you had wondered, okay, there was a sort of like for like offensive substitution made when perhaps will there be, maybe like a defensive substitution. 
so we started approaching the 80th minute, but before that, Mitch first put in work on that flank, got out wide, uh, went toe-to-toe and beat Zoe Gorowski, uh, sent in, whipped in a ball, really. She was not looking to <laughs> connect on goal. Whips in a ball, uh, and the defensive line, with, you had Sarah Gore there, you had uh, Julie Ertz, and this ball just connects with Julie Ertz's shin, they look like, and it just dings and ricochets into the back of the net, and it's an own goal on the Red Stars for Sky Blue FC. And you just see Julie Ertz look at her goalkeeper and just say, I'm sorry. She said, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, again, it's something you can absorb when you score three. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, well, I think a couple of things. I think, obviously, you saw Gorowski's legs start to fail her a little bit, and, and you wonder if maybe that the, the sub – that eventually came could have come a little sooner. Um, I know Chicago also swapped, they swapped St. George's and Watt and put them over where, where purse was to try to help with that as well. Um, and that was actually a big part probably in, in avoiding conceding a third. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing I don't want to, I don't want to, um, go through this without mentioning is that, and this is very important as well, which is, um, so Chicago's game plan in this match is not the way they would ever play in a regular season, like at all. They had like 38% possession. They were bypassing the midfield. This was complete counterattack, fast counterattacking soccer. Um, And it worked until they needed to ice this game. And they just didn't have the people on the field. This is what I'm saying about who they've lost. They've lost Nagasato. They've lost Katra. They don't have the players that can just hold on to the ball. And the game plan was never to pass around Sky Blue or to make Sky Blue chase. Um, And that's why Chicago scored three, but it's also why they just didn't have anything in them at the end there to stop Sky Blue from doing what they were trying to do. Um, you know, possession is a form of defense and it just isn't in Chicago's arsenal right now. And so that also made a lot of this more touch and go than it needed to be. Um, which I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more as we preview the next game, because they're about to play a team that is exactly the same. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be some real hot potato soccer, but, um, but that, that was a large element as well, where again, you just watch it and you're just like, ugh, they just do not have the personnel to shut this down. So all they can do is block. Um, yep. And they did it, you know, they succeeded. Yeah. No, they, and that's ultimately how the game closed out. I mean, they did eventually make a, def- a defensive sub. We saw Kayla Sharples, you know, come on for, for Zoe Gorowski and Sky Blue or still trying to press. They brought on another offensive piece, you know, for Jennifer Cujo and Elizabeth Eddy to try to push. But really after making that defensive sub, and there just was a lot of trying to close out the game. There was a brief moment where Katie Johnson was able to get on the ball, but you just saw this player, uh, you know, just look exhausted just because of the work that she had been putting into this entire 90-minute shift. 
and she was dragging that ball as, as much as she could into the corner to, to try and close things out. The way we're talking about how Chicago is maybe lacking some of that holding possession as a form of defense. But um, Kalia Watt as well, you know, getting her, earning yes, herself yes. a yellow card. There was For You sure. could just see the Red Stars turn on the light in terms of we have to close this game out in the best way we can, maybe not the prettiest way or in the way that we would I like ideally if we had certain person on the pitch, but we got here to this point. So we need to close it out. And we just saw them kind of do that. Yeah. And- I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I couldn't, I could not watch the last 10 <laughs> minutes of this game. I the last five minutes of regulation plus stoppage. I couldn't, I walked away and I, but I said to myself, I don't think Chicago is going to concede a third. I really don't. Um, but I don't have to watch it. So, <laughs> well, I had to watch it. Yeah, I know. I you you did. I I stepped away. I stepped away for a second. Um, it's all good. Which man, what a thrill, huh? Here um, for you. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, but, and it, you know the ultimate thing that that is the issue with this, and this is maybe a good pivot into the next part of this conversation, which is that. Um, they had to work really hard at the end of this game. Um, and they so hard that everyone saw it. They didn't even have the energy to really physically even be excited about winning the game. <laughs> you know, it was, I'm, you know, and I'm sure they're thrilled. I'm sure they, they didn't want to lose, but they are having a rough time out there right now. Um, and, I think that I certainly hope that they didn't have to do much today. Um, but I'll have to sleep in. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, they just also just don't have that much time. Um, but but yeah, they are. It's one of those things where, and sorry guys, we're about to manage some expectations. We saw Portland give a lot against North Carolina. And they just didn't have it against Houston in the next game. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I would say that I would understand if it did. That's all. This is the first time for many players, and I'm, I'm speaking holistically now as we're down to now two teams in this tournament, right? This is the first time for many of these players, players who did not win a World Cup championship, who are experiencing a tournament-style knockout round format. And it turns out the longer you go, the more is demanded of you. And it's hard, man. It's hard. And uh, just to speak a little bit on the other side of the ball, because I have to watch a lot of soccer games lately, watching Houston have to grind through their game was quite the experience as well because we're seeing a little bit of shift in a Houston Dash team, watching that kind of watching their cultural shift really come to life during this tournament. And while players and some clubs have a tendency to want to refer to themselves with certain buzzwords and say, <laughs> hey, we've got a lot of grit. And we grind things out and blue collar hard and we're blue collar. And you heard that from 
players on the Houston Dash team sometimes in the past, but the difference was that there was a lot of people who didn't see it or believe it. And the difference this year is that they're the truth. They're living, walking, breathing, and playing their truth. Yep. Want to talk about speaking it into existence. The Houston Dash are doing that. And they had to struggle a bit in their game. And very similarly to Chicago Red Stars, they conceded a lot of possession in an effort to try to play opportunities in on a goal and be able to score. But they really ended up advancing on trying to outwork the other team. And their goal came in the form of a very just scrappy goal on a corner that yes. people didn't give up on, you know? Yeah. And you're talking a late game goal, kind of like after the 70th minute and then just try to have to close things out. So very similarly, there are people, there are players who could just see they're just exhausted and have in giving their all in these matches. So for the Chicago Red Stars, I think looking ahead as we're previewing things, that's something that we're paying attention to as well as two people who cover this team and, and do a podcast about the team. Yeah, and I, I have, I've certainly have not been been doing what Sandra's been doing, but I have watched every game of this tournament. And and you're right that um, it's recent. It is recency bias and also focus to emphasize the exhaustion on Chicago's end because Houston was very tired at the end of their semifinal. Um, and they also had issues subbing. I mean, I think a lot of these teams just don't have that many available subs right now. Um, and so, yes, I do not have any illusions that the Red Stars are going to be more tired than Houston. Um, but I feel very much attuned to the fact that of, of their just general roster health um, and also the goals of the club. I mean, yes, they want to win. I know they want to win, um, but the the mantra for Chicago this whole time has been very different than the mantra for Houston, um, which might be an asset, actually, in a final scenario, especially because Chicago's been there before. Um, but you're right. The, the, the funny thing is, for me, I'm like, well, they both want to play counterattacking soccer, but what do you do if nobody attacks? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I'm looking at that. I'm looking at these two teams, and I'm like, wow, these two teams kind of are mirroring each other right now. And if I'm somebody who plays for the Chicago Red Stars, I might be trying to use that as a form of motivation. If I'm looking for things to motivate me, I'm using that because the team that I'm going up against is a team that's telling me that they can outwork me. Yep, and I yep. know that that's just bullshit because of where I've been and what I've seen. Claire, who do you think needs to have an impact or who are you keeping an eye on ahead of the game against Houston? Okay, I'm about to say something very stupid, but um, <laughs> it's all up to Julie Ertz. It just is. Like, it, it it's one of those things where um, – you know, she, by, by her astronomical standards, had maybe a little bit of a, of a less solid game against Sky Blue. Um, and, and I think that, and this is so reductive, but like you said, these are two teams on very similar journeys, and only one of them has Julie Ertz. And I just think that that has to be the difference. Um, because I think 
I think Chicago can contain Houston. I am not sure that they will. The fact that Houston scored on a corner kick hustle play puts some fear in me um, because Chicago has never been very good at set-piece defense, even in this tournament. Um, and I think that Katie Naughton and whoever's beside her, I don't, I don't know if it'll be Megan Oyster or, or not, but that is a solid central defensive line that actually Chicago's going to have to be better than they were against Sky Blue to penetrate because Sky Blue's strength is not in their central defense. Um, so I think it's going to be a stressful game, but I'll be very happy for whoever wins. Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest storylines heading into a game like this is the fact that it's these two clubs that made it to the final. And that is something that should be celebrated. And I am celebrating it. I fully plan on doing that all the way into the final. And honestly, after, uh, no matter what the outcome happens. Uh, on Sunday, there will be a new team with a new trophy to take home to uh, a city that doesn't have one for an NWSL team yet. And I think that that's something very exciting. I also think that it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's, it's something that's very moving to me on a personal level that these are two teams that are entering the final with players on their rosters who have very clearly become uh, identified with and attached to their cities. Absolutely, yeah. We've been hearing a lot from Houston players uh, how much it means to them to have support um, and to be able to really feel like they're playing for something besides themselves. And that's the city of Houston. And then you have the Chicago Red Stars who have literal players who have called this city home their entire lives and multiple players who have adapted themselves into what has become a staple of Chicago Red Stars culture. And that's knowing and representing the city that you literally wear across your chest. And I am very excited that it did come down to these two teams. And so I'm looking forward to whatever type of matchup that we get. But us here at Southside Trap, of course, we're pulling for the Chicago Red Stars. And Claire, I am in agreement with you, as always, that Julie Ertz is a player to watch. Uh, she is one of the best players in the world and definitely one of the best players on the team. Uh, so I think we're going to be looking for another kind of standout performance from her. And uh, I don't know how she's feeling, but if she's feeling okay, and if we see Danny Colaprico in that final, I'll be looking for her as well. Uh, because somehow Danny Colaprico has uh, gotten more powerful and stronger as this tournament has gone on. And it's been thrilling to see. And um, hopefully, if it comes down to it and there needs to be some impact subs, 
Uh, I'm hopeful that some of these players that we saw get time in this group stage get a moment to shine. So that's what I'll be looking for. Yeah, um, and, and great news. The great news is that uh, no real losers in this one because after it's over, guess what? They get to go home. You get to go home, and that's a nice feeling. I think that's a real nice feeling if you haven't been there in weeks. You're going on a month now. So, Claire, it's been lovely covering this stuff with you. I can't wait to close it out. If the people want to continue engaging with you, how can they do that? Yeah, I mean, just subscribe to the Patreon. Guys, you got to subscribe to the Patreon. We're here for you. We're doing our best to keep you updated and post-dated with all of the Chicago Red Stars content that we can. Uh, so please, look into subscribing to the Southside Trap Patreon. You can go ahead and find a tier that works for you. We've got all different kinds of perks at all different kinds of levels. And if there's something that suits you, feel free to sign up. If for whatever reason you're unable to do that right now, we completely understand. It's a hard time for everyone. Things are crazy everywhere for everybody. So there are a number of other ways you continue your support for Southside Trap. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And you can find us on multiple streaming services like Spotify and iTunes. So go ahead and find us, uh, subscribe to us. Give us a like, give us a rating, give us a review. That stuff helps us out tremendously when we're trying to create Chicago Red Stars content for you. So just follow along, support Southside Trap Podcast, podcast that helps stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars. And we'll be back next week to recap Chicago Red Stars Championship Cup final appearance, something or other. So be smart, be safe. Wear a mask, wash your hands, wash your face, continue your support of Black Lives, and we'll be back next week.